every once in a while, you come across a brand that stops you at your tracks and you want to learn more and you want to invest in them and you want to support what they're doing, fighting the good fight. I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Jennifer Norman, the founder of B Corporation, Humanist Beauty, and the Human Beauty Movement. And it was such an amazing interview. There are so many good nuggets that I pulled out of how you can be authentic and be serving in an industry that sometimes can be superficial. So I hope that you enjoy this interview. I had a ton of fun recording it and all skins are welcome here. Enjoy. You are listening to the Be Your Own Makeup Artist podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sachare, former military officer turned professional and award-winning makeup artist and educator and author of the book, Be Your Own Makeup Artist. This podcast is for makeup enthusiasts, makeup artists, and everyone in between. I share insights about the beauty industry, invite industry experts, and try to keep the content more about makeup education and less about buying this or that. I'm so glad you're here and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, you are listening to the Be Your Own Makeup Artist podcast. I'm Natalie Satare, your host and makeup artist here, and I am so excited to be bringing this amazing episode that the world needs right now. And I invited a guest, Jennifer Norman, the founder of the Human Beauty Movement and Conscious CBD Skincare Line Humanist Beauty. Jennifer is award-winning author and a regular contributor at Thrive Media and Medium. She's an entrepreneur, a B Corp business leader, and a member of the Female Founder Collective, which is where we met. And after spending 20 years in the beauty industry, Jennifer has realized that beauty really does come from within. She's inspired to share her life lessons with others through her international organization, The Humanist Movement, and her new skincare line, Humanist Beauty, so that we may all grow in self-acceptance, self-love, and self-care, knowing that we all embody beauty. And I can't wait to just dive into the questions I have for her, hear more of her story, and welcome Jennifer to the show. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on. You're so welcome. And thank you for sharing your birthday with us. It is your birthday. <laughs> it is my birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> so Jennifer, I looked at your website the first second, and I knew you were a perfect guest for the show because you are all about inclusivity and beauty and self-love and self-acceptance. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. but. You have in your resume and in your whole biography, you have 20 years experience in the beauty industry. You've seen how it goes. It's a business. And so I would love for you to kind of give the listeners a reader's digest version of your story, how you spent your career in an industry that can be so superficial and came at the end of it realizing, wait a second, I can do something bigger and better than myself. Natalie, what a wonderful introduction and thank you. I'm so honored and I would be more than happy to share with your listeners my experience and how it really culminated into where I am today. My first experience was working for L'Oreal in cosmetics. I actually 
started working on nail enamel and then I worked on lip color and then I worked on shadows and liners and then went into hair color where I helped with the launch of Perrier Hair Color, which is still around today. Crazy since it's actually a 20 year old brand. But the interesting thing is that I was attracted to the beauty industry for a number of reasons. Number one, I was kind of a self-professed artist at the time. And so I just enjoyed the idea of creativity and I enjoyed playing with color on canvas or on paper. And then it gravitated towards wardrobe and then it gravitated towards makeup and cosmetics. And so there was just an inherent love for the artistry behind what makeup really could do for a person. But then to be honest with you, I got caught up in the glamour of the whole thing. And to your point earlier about, yes, beauty can certainly be superficial. I think at the time that I had started and kind of developed in my career, working in marketing and kind of escalating up through product management and brand management for a number of different beauty companies, there was this inherent feeling that it was supporting your self-esteem, that perhaps you weren't feeling as good about yourself or really feeling like you weren't as beautiful or as attractive as other people if you didn't have your makeup on or if you didn't have your hair done or if you didn't look a certain way. And also there was an aspect of fitting in. I feel like sometimes if you're wearing the latest styles, if you have the coolest brands, if you're wearing the right lipstick color or you know the shade of the season, if you will, there was a cliquish mentality towards that and beauty as well. And so there were some positive aspects of why I started in cosmetics, but then I have only upon self-reflection in later years realized it had sunk its teeth into me because I myself had not found myself. I really did not have a good, strong sense of who I was or how I fit into the world. And so I think that I was looking externally for a lot of cues in order to try to define my role as a woman as somebody that was in the beauty industry. And so I think that for a lot of people, perhaps like myself in the past, had really felt like they almost relied on makeup and they became a little bit obsessed with makeup and wouldn't walk out of the house without their makeup on or their brows done or you know their hair done because they were afraid of people seeing them for how they really looked. It's so nice nowadays to see how that has been changing and people are not afraid anymore. And it happened over time, but boy, once it did, the cascade of true creators and people and the idea of self-empowerment and the idea of makeup as play has become much more forthcoming. There's still a bit of work to do in terms of people's relationship with cosmetics and makeup and beauty in general, but it's nice to see that some walls are breaking down and there is this greater sense of self-acceptance versus when I started in the industry back then. That's so refreshing and promising. I always tell my clients and I tell anybody who wants to learn, I'm like, you need to know how to confidently wear makeup, but also confidently not wear makeup. You need to make that confident decision. When you slip on a black dress, you know you're going to feel a certain way. And you know you can make that decision consciously, that nobody's making it for you. And it's the same with beauty products. And I think sometimes people overthink it has a stronghold on them. They don't think, wait a second, I'm in control here. I decide what I want to do. It is awesome. 
I would say I see a lot of young people making those decisions more confidently. But I also think on the same hand, I see a lot of young people falling victim to the beauty industry and all of the marketing. That's actually a perfect segue into the next question that I have for you is you've had so much experience with beauty brands and companies. Is there anything that you want to share that is maybe juicy about how they work? A section in my book actually that talks about the large brand families, you know, L'Oreal and Estee Lauder and how they always eat up the little indie brands. And when people find out about this, a lot of people don't know, but then they find out they feel like they've been cheated on or something. And I think a lot of people are starting to become more and more jaded about what they buy, which is one of the reasons I want to hear more about your line. But how can we be smarter and more conscious consumers when it's just always changing? Do you have any insight or advice on that? It's a very interesting thing that you bring up. So the first part of your question about bigger companies, a lot of times what will happen is so much investment goes into making a new product that they try to gain economies of scale with their investment. And so if they come out with a magnificent mascara, let's just use that as an example, companies will typically parlay that formula over to a number of different brands. And so you'll see the same formula on L'Oreal as Maybelline, as Longhome, for example, and Estee Lauder does the same thing. And that would be considered good business because your positioning, your brand is essentially what is supposed to create that differentiation. So what does your packaging look like? What does the brand stand for? How are you going to market it? And so it doesn't matter what the actual formula is. It's just the look and the perception of what you're buying. And then therefore, there is a perception of quality. So you might buy the same mascara formula for $5 from Maybelline or for $20 from Lancome. And a lot of it is in what goes around it. So, you know, whether or not you're buying it on like a cardboard packaging from Maybelline or if you are actually getting it from counter service or you know somebody actually helping you where there's you know high overheads on a Lancome counter thinking about larger brands and then obviously more recently there has been a lot of questioning about ColourPop versus Kylie Cosmetics and mm-hmm. the shades and absolutely they're going to use the same exact shades across the board it's considered good business and right. just let the brand carry it but People are very smart. Everything is about transparency nowadays. And so a lot of those tactics are not really flying very well, shall we say, lately. Right. The other interesting thing is that there is so much made in China. Mm -hmm. There's so much made in quality and in places and with operations that are questionable, I have to say. And I'm not speaking about L'Oreal. I'm not speaking about any brands in particular. I don't want to name names at all, but it's just pervasive within the beauty industry that there is this churn. And up until recently, it's always been like this mad feast of, you know, what is the next shade collection going to be? What's the next promotion going to be? What are we going to do for holiday? And it is one thing that I have really strongly considered as I'm coming into my own business is, What is all of this doing to our psyche and our wellness as far as feeling like I got to have this, I got to have that, I can't have enough. And then you end up with 
a bathroom with bins full (laughs) of cosmetics and all this stuff that you may have used once or perhaps haven't used at all. And then it just ends up sitting there and you've purchased this and you're feeding into an economy where there's so much churn, there's so much production and so much waste. Perhaps now we can start kind of sitting back and, you know, as we're in quarantine, this does give us a little bit of respite and a little bit of time to think about our purchasing behavior. Mm-hmm. What has influenced us in the past? What's really important? What is it that you really need? And what is it that's really going to bring you joy? It's always important to have that sense of play and that sense of excitement and that sense of fun. But when it gets to be that you're almost hoarding or that you're becoming obsessed and that, you know, you're just buying things for the sake of buying things. Then we have to kind of take a step back and say, is this really healthy? Do I really need this? Can I live with less? Right. And so to that degree of being comfortable enough with yourself just to know where your limits are, the fact that the beauty industry is not going to make anybody whole. They're not going to make you a better person. Only you can do that. It really comes from inside. And so if you think about all of the wonderful things that the beauty industry and that that products can bring, it's really all about that sense of fun and that sense of pleasure that we all seek and that we all you know grow to love. But then once it starts to stress you out, you know there are some friends that I have that literally will take like a good hour and a half, two hours just to get ready to go out. And boy, I just wonder, like, look at all the time of life, you know, unless you really truly get pleasure. And I don't want to judge, you know, from the outside, but sometimes this seems like almost a little bit of like, I feel like I will be judged if I show up not looking a certain way because I have an influencer and I, Mm -hmm. I have a presence to uphold and I need to be out and look like this. And so, yeah, almost having that little slave mentality. It's so true. I think that our time is our most valuable asset, more valuable than money, I'd say. I feel like you probably share that the same feeling. Our time, we don't get that back. When you think about how much time we stress on our appearance and stress about getting ready and there's a time and a place to get ready and enjoy that self-care time, but then you have the pressures from the beauty industry. You know, I have people, I have clients who come to me and they're like, but what about concealer? And I'm like, well, you don't really need it. Your foundation actually did a great job. You don't need that. But what about contouring? I'm like, you don't need that either. You can just, you know, put on a little blush mascara, call it a day. You have gorgeous features. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you don't need it. If you want to do that, there's always ways to do that. But I think this is constant. Like, but I need to do this. Everybody else does this. I see this on TV. Yeah, I have a 22 year old stepdaughter. And I remember when she was in college, and all of her friends started buying contour kits, and she just felt like a complete like she felt so lost, because she's like, I don't know how to use this. And I've always been the kind of step parent that never wants to like, say, I'm the beauty expert here, this is how you do it. I always want her to be able to find her own way. And to be able to learn and see what works for her, I would never want her to follow in my footsteps. I think people blaze their own paths. But yeah, it's stressful. Before we went live, you told me that inclusivity was really important to you from a young age and that you actually got started writing about inclusivity in children's books. I would love for you to talk about the children's book and inclusivity, but also how did this translate into your movement that you're starting and also your skincare line. I think that this has been my calling from a very early age. There's just been like different stepping stones that have led 
me on this path on my journey. I was actually adopted by a Caucasian family. And so instantly I felt like an outsider, even though they treated me as their own, but just living in a very white bread town on Long Island where there wasn't much ethnic variety at all, I felt different. I just grew up feeling left out or feeling like teased when I was a young child you know, it sticks with you. You kind of feel like, gosh, that didn't feel so good when people like judge you or call you names or make you feel like you're not part of the club, if you were. And so going through and then finally finding a place in the beauty industry where I felt like I belong, but perhaps started to kind of examine it for what it was and feeling like, oh, that just doesn't seem right. When you have upper management saying, K-beauty is coming to fold and Koreans are wearing 14, they don't walk out of the house without 14 products, you know, trying on 14 products on their skin. How can we get more Americans to buy 14 products before they leave the home? Things like that just became unsettling. Like we were trying to force this kind of mad consumption. And so it really started to kind of break down little by little for me in the beauty industry, just seeing where things hmm, made me take pause. And then, wow, if I were to do this, I would do things a little bit differently. And so I think as I was kind of journeying through the beauty industry, I kind of started thinking, well, gosh, all of that packaging was very wasteful. Those microbeads going down into the water stream, that was not a good idea. What can we do to be more mindful in general? about what we're offering and how we're impacting people. And then I will say that the big moment was when I gave birth to my first and only child who came down with a very, very serious genetic disorder and has really rendered him in a state where he needs to rely on others for total care. And so seeing what life was like with him When he was earlier on, he had more abilities and he's kind of gradually lost them over time. But when he was young, you know, we'd go to the playground and he had a tracheostomy and he had an NG tube, which is a feeding tube that would go through his nose and it's taped to his face. And kids would just either run away or they'd whisper like little children to their parents. And the parents were like, it's not nice to stare. Just don't say anything. And so Seeing what that did to my son and, you know, he would all of a sudden start like doing this because he didn't want people to see him. And Mm -hmm. he felt like almost a little bit embarrassed or afraid or scared Mm -hmm. or feeling like he was being victimized in a three or four year old boy doing Mm -hmm. this. And as his parent, you can imagine what that makes a parent feel like as well. Like Mm -hmm. you always want your children to Mm -hmm. be accepted. And so The nice thing about his journey is that he has brought so much understanding and so much compassion and so many good hearted people into our lives that have really shown us the way forward. Mm -hmm. And so as a culmination of our experience with my child, we decided to write these children's books called The Adventures of Super Captain Brave Man. I know that this is not what this uh, podcast is about, but um, essentially these were children's books that would help teach other young kids at an early age what other kids with disabilities, what life is like. Mm-hmm. And do it in a nice, friendly way. And then, you know, give tips of, you know, how you could be friends with these children. What are the symptoms or the signs? And so we started to pen a series. The second book was on autism, signs and, and symptoms of autism and how to be friends with somebody with autism. Our most recent book was on a child with Down syndrome. And so things like that, that we thought were just really important because if you teach kids young, they're so receptive. They ask mm-hmm. so many questions and then it becomes normal. 
it's intended to make the world a better place. And so the timing was right. I said, you know what? I really think it's time that I started my own beauty company, but it's going to be the unbeauty company. I wanted to do unmarketing and really allow people to understand that they are beautiful as they are. They are whole as they are. They are wonderful and majestic and extraordinary as they are. And whatever things that we may be able to offer them, the intention is to fill their lives with joy and beauty so that they can manifest their beauty as they wish to. And so I think that's why I decided to start with skincare, because I do feel like in the beauty industry, skincare, it's so important. And I'm a very big naturalist now in terms of plant potency. And I believe that the intent behind what you're putting forth into the universe is so important. It's almost more important than the product. And so if the intention of beauty product is we want your money and we want to grow and we want to do away with that competitor and we want to defeat that, that intention starts to come through and it seeps into the psyche of the people who use it, of the people that hear that message. Mm -hmm. I want to change things and turn things on their head. With my products, I thought that it was important to make sure that inclusivity was the first and foremost reason for being. And as such, I wanted to make sure that everything was complying by the ADA. So the website is accessible and is able to be spoken aloud or have special tabs where anybody who might be using assistive technology will be able to use the website. And then for the products that I'm launching, every product that I'm launching is going to have offered with it a, what I'm calling a Braille ID band. And so it's actually a compostable, recyclable, 3D printed ring that you can essentially snap around the product that you're using. And it has English Braille on it so that people can actually know what the product is that they're using if they are visually impaired or blind. That is so amazing. I have like goosebumps. It's not just talking the talk, which I think a lot of companies do. It's walking the walk. I, as a makeup artist and an author, remember how much pushback I would get because I didn't want to say ladies or in my book include just pictures of Caucasian women. Mm -hmm. I mean, I made sure not to include images in my book. I mean, there are some to show visuals, but I tried to make them as diverse as possible, not to put a cover photo of any person on the cover because people identify with those things. But the fact that you have gone so far as to not only look at the inclusivity from, I'm sure, a skin type and spectrum, but also the physical disabilities that we don't think about. I mean, that's amazing. I felt that was important to reinforce the intention behind the brand mm -hmm. because, as you know, and I was saying, I am the unmarketer because I've seen and I've been one to have done this in the past where it's almost like tokenism. It's like, okay, let's show shade range. We need a Caucasian woman. We need blonde. Mm -hmm. We need somebody with a little bit that looks Latin. Yeah. And it gets into your model choices. And it's just to say, okay, yay, we're we representing. Hooray, look at us. We're so good. Unless you really back it up, even working in cosmetics, boy, and it was completely justifiable then for financial reasons why there were not dark shades mm -hmm. because they didn't sell. 
And so if you can't justify your shelf space for those shades, then they're going to be discontinued. And so mm -hmm. as much as you try, the economics would never allow you because we were so focused on the financials, the whole business, the whole industry is focused on, you know, what is your productivity per square mm -hmm. foot in your planogram? And it became extremely difficult. It's so refreshing to see, you know, how things have changed. God bless millennials because they're really taking a stand and saying, you know what, this ain't good anymore. We're going to change things yeah. and we're going to buy and vote with our dollars in terms of those brands that carry our values and are going to hold our opinions and our feelings true versus just trying to think about the bottom line. Yes. So I wanted to ask the last question. I just want you to brag about your skincare line. I want you to tell us all about what makes it special. So yeah. can you share a little bit about your brand and maybe your favorite product or the one that you couldn't wait to launch? The brand is called Humanist Beauty. And the notion behind Humanist Beauty is that all skins are welcome. It's conscious beauty and intended to be wellness for all. And when it comes to claims, certainly there are only certain claims that can be made with cosmetics or skincare products. The products are extraordinary and they do incredible things that I will legally not be able to talk about. <laughs> but aside from that, the intention behind the Humanist Beauty line was really all about being able to bring integrative wellness and care to more people. And what does integrative care mean? It really means mind, body, soul connection. And so as we were kind of mentioning and talking about before, when you look good, you feel good. And so there is this feedback loop that you receive when you know you see yourself in the mirror, you feel good about yourself. And then on the contrary, if you look at yourself and you're like, oh, I look like not great today, then it may impact your mood. And so starting from within, helping people to develop a ritual for themselves about their own beauty from within, about their purpose and their intention and the love that they have to offer, the kindness that they can offer the world is really what this is about. It's like starting from within with the soul, with mantras and meditation and really taking a cue from spirituality the whole brand and all of the products, everything that's physical about these products was made with very high mindfulness. And so every single ingredient was handpicked. The source was handpicked, whether it was organic or whether it was wildcrafted or whether it was a fermented Korean oil, which is going to help accelerate antioxidant activity. The amount of CBD that is in the first product, which is the Urban Wisdom Facial Oil, which right now is my favorite, 500 milligrams of full spectrum whole hemp CBD plus adaptogens. Now, the reason behind the full spectrum whole hemp is because it has a greater chance of being able to offer what's called the entourage effect. And so it's the idea that all of the different cannabinoids and the terpenes and all of the wonderful whole plant goodness of a hemp plant or of a cannabis plant is going to be extracted and put into this formula. CBD is known as an adaptogen unto itself because it is able to provide homeostasis or balance within the body. And so what happens is that your whole body has endocannabinoid receptors and there are an abundant amount of endocannabinoid receptors in the skin. And so your skin is almost intended to receive cannabinoids 
And the cannabinoids are going to help adjust and create this sense of balance. And so you kind of hear about people taking CBD for stress relief or for anxiety or for seizures and things like that. And that's because it has this extraordinary ability to bring the body back into stability. And so there have been a lot of studies on CBD and its impact on things like eczema or rosacea or inflammatory conditions like those, as well as acne. I can't claim that my formula can help, but know that you've got 500 milligrams of CBD in my formulas. You can kind of jump to your own conclusions. Aside from that, there are extraordinary, extraordinary ingredients like rosehip, argon, jojoba, sea buckthorn, tamanu, pomegranate, cherry. I mean, it goes on and on. There's probably about 25 different extraordinary extracts that are either well-crafted, organic. Of course, all of them are naturally derived. The whole formula is 100% vegan. There's also an aromatherapy benefit, which is helpful as you're meditating and going through your ritual, which has frankincense and blue tansy in it. It is truly extraordinary. And I've even had it used by some of the top alchemists in this area, and they are singing its praises. And just to see the beautiful glow, it's not heavy, it's not greasy, it sinks into your skin, and it just provides this instant beautiful glow to the skin. And then it's going to be helping your skin improve in its look and feel over time. And then also, not only with the formula itself, the packaging being mindful about how its package became so important to me. And so I'm using glass, aluminum, a little bit of plastic. I'm trying to avoid using plastic as much as possible. The outer packages, they're 100% recyclable, corrugate, printed with soy ink. They're round. I did them in these round containers because you can ship them in an envelope and they won't crush. I won't need to use any extra filler. Nice. No no extra wasteful shipping materials because there's so much packaging waste that goes into shipping materials. And to offset all of the shipping greenhouse gases, I am carbon neutral. I have dedicated some of my finances already to reforestry to make sure that trees are being planted to compensate and overcompensate actually for the shipping gases that are being emitted. And so, yeah, I think that it's important to try to get this message out through podcasts such as yours, which is an amazing podcast so that people can really understand the truth and the integrity behind the brand. This is really not to try to pull any wool over anybody's eyes. This is who I am. This is you know my message, my journey, and where I came to where I am to try to offer you the best that I think I can and that I'm hopeful will also you know catch on and hopefully people will continue to buy great products from brands that are like-minded. Well, I have a feeling that you are going to be setting the standard for lots of other brands that are coming along because you've set such high standards. And you know that's leadership. When you create something that others are like, oh my gosh, how can I be more like that? And that's what we need more of are people who are so thoughtful and intentional. And I'm just so excited to, first of all, get my hands on this. Because (laughs) I mean, but also not just because it's a product, it's self-care, it's the intention, it's, you know, like you said, you buy and you vote with our dollars, you know. So how can everybody find you? Where are you hanging out? I'm going to link everything in the show notes so people can find you really easily. But for those of you listening, is there anywhere quickly you want to have people find you and connect? Yes, thank you so much for asking. The humanistbeauty.com website goes live today. 
And there is a special promo code if you would like to use it, which is my friends and family. And I consider everybody a friend and family. So it's worth spreading. It's FF202020. So if you use it, you'll get 20% off through the rest of the year on any order, which is kind of nice. That's amazing. FF202020. So that's on humanistbeauty.com. And then you can find us all over social media. Our handle is typically humanistbeauty. And if you'd like to read up about the company behind Humanist Beauty, it is at the-hbm.com or thehumanbeautymovement.com. They'll both point you in the same place. Awesome. Well, this was such a great interview. I'm so glad to learn more about your brand, but also talk to you more. And until then, everybody stay beautiful. What an awesome interview. I loved it. I loved having Jennifer on. I love that she shared her birthday with us and make sure to head over to humanistbeauty.com and try out her beautiful product line with your 20% discount. FF202020, go grab some amazing skincare, support a company that is serving for the better good, for the good of all humans. And make sure that you subscribe or share this podcast. If you want to be a guest, head over to nataliesetteray.com slash podcast, and you can find out more information. I'm so glad you were here and you spent your time with us and you have a wonderful and beautiful day. Bye.